This is Radio ANA, broadcasting on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We are Annalise and Arnie, talking about community and individual responses to harm, transformative justice, accountability, safety, support and healing and prison abolition within and challenging dominator culture. We would like to acknowledge Aboriginal elders past and present and to acknowledge and honour the resistance of First Nations people across these lands.
We just listened to Stay in Bed by Alice Skye. Welcome to Radio ANA. On this episode, we are speaking with Julia from the Disability Justice Network about what disability justice is and also about the Disability Justice Network and how listeners can support. Hi, Julia. Can you please introduce yourself, the land you are on, and also how you came to disability justice? My name is Julia. I use they, them pronouns, and I am um, here broadcasting, speaking from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I arrived at disability justice, I think, through a couple of things. As a child growing up with disability and not really knowing how I fit into this kind of typical image of a disabled person, this like a disabled person archetype that exists. And yeah, not really feeling comfortable engaging with the disability community because in my mind, from what I was exposed to, it was primarily people with like mobility disabilities who were significantly older than me. And so I was like, there's no room for me there. But then also as an adult, engaging with the queer community and finding a lot of love and kinship there, but there always being this kind of undercurrent of ableism throughout many of the spaces that I frequented. And, yeah, disability justice, it just kind of naturally fit that I would arrive at this this thing that kind of encapsulated exactly what I needed, which was something for people who don't feel disabled enough to be part of the disability rights movement, but also like too disabled to be a part of like the queer community or various other communities. So yeah, what is disability justice? I've written about disability justice a few times for a few different articles and I've spoken about it in conversation with a few different people. And I always kind of struggle with the the very basic way of defining it because I think the people who created the term, they phrased it as a developing framework that some call a movement. And I think that's a really interesting and kind of apt way of putting it because it's it's a series of principles that is kind of slowly emerging into a movement across predominantly Turtle Island, but also so-called Australia, um, and I'm sure many other countries. But I, I think I find it quite hard to decide whether it's a series of principles, a framework, or a movement. So I guess to me it's, it's all of those things in, in various ways. It came about in response to two things, one of, one of which was the disability rights movement across Turtle Island, which was uh, predominantly led by white people and by people whose disability was very much to do with mobility. And the disability rights movement had this quite narrow focus on disability as a single issue identity and didn't take into consideration intersections of race, age, gender, sexuality, 
And then secondarily, there were these queer, disabled people of colour um, across Turtle Island who were part of other progressive, radical social justice spaces who recognised that ableism was really prevalent in those um, communities that they were frequenting. And so similarly to me um, in how I arrived at disability justice, they found they were in this kind of middle space of um, the disability rights movement not being not being intersectional, not not considering the fact that some people don't want to enhance their standing in this kind of rights-based system. And then also, yeah, being a part of all of these other communities and having these other um, intersecting axes of oppression that wasn't really honouring the, the way in which disability intersected with those either. So, yeah, that group of people founded the Disability Justice Collective um, and with that, the 10 principles of disability justice with, I guess, like the main, the main point being that it, it would be a framework or a movement where disabled people of colour and queer and gender non-conforming disabled people would always be at the forefront and would always be leading the movement and, and leading the direction that it would be going in. Before we continue and we do want to ask you a bit about the principles of disability justice, you said before this word ableism and I'm wondering what your meaning of it is when you say that word. Yeah, so I guess the way that I think of it is this hierarchy that exists that places able-bodied and uh, neurotypical uh, people without disability, people without um, mental illness or neurodivergency at the top of the hierarchy and anybody else with a body or a mind that deviates from that expectation at the bottom and being kept at the bottom, you're subject to violence and uh, discrimination, often increased rates of interpersonal violence and displacement in the form of housing and, and all sorts of things. It, it comes with so many um, systemic and institutional consequences to be at the bottom of this able-bodied supremacy hierarchy. And so, yeah, when I'm talking about ableism, I guess I mean anything that, yeah, any kind of action that contributes to keeping disabled people at the bottom of that hierarchy that exists. Thanks for sharing that meaning. I feel like, you know, people say these words in a whole lot of different contexts and actually to hear, you know, that sort of description and, you know, around these hierarchies and structures and things that contribute to that. It's really interesting. You were describing before that um, there is 10 principles of disability justice and I wondered if you could share those with us and, and maybe some of what they mean to you. 
the 10 principles of disability justice. The first one is intersectionality and a lot of the, um, the way in which the disability justice principles and the framework was developed was very heavily influenced by Audre Lorde. And so intersectionality is placed at the top um, as the first principle with the quote, we do not live single-issue lives. Um, and then leadership of those most impacted is the second principle, anti-capitalist politic, commitment to cross-movement organising, recognising wholeness, sustainability, commitment to cross-disability, solidarity, interdependence, collective access and collective liberation. Are there any of those principles that have really stood out for you or are really important for you or all of them in the work that you do? Yeah, I find that kind of depending on the day, there'll be one or maybe two that jump out to me a little bit more than the others or that feel particularly relevant to something, some circumstance in my life. I, I think at the moment one that I've been focusing on quite a bit is this idea of recognising wholeness and recognising the inherent worth of uh, people's minds and bodies regardless of any ways in which they might deviate from societal expectations or norms or anything like this and recognising people as whole people irrespective of their ability to contribute to capitalism and to be productive and to be commodified. Yeah, I think like wrapping up the work year and reflecting on all of the labour that I've done this year for various jobs um, that's one that that I think I think has been really useful for me to reflect on and thinking about how much thinking about this this weird experience that I think a lot of people have when work wraps up for the year where you feel a little bit like you're floating in space and don't have much direction and you're kind of like untethered and and kind of imagining a world where we didn't feel that way because we didn't have to feel that way because it wasn't in contrast to always feeling like pulled down by your work and wondering what a world free of labour would actually feel like when you have all this free time. Um, And, yeah, I guess also just reflecting on how much importance I and I'm sure many other people place on um, your ability to like do work and go to work every day and and how weird it can feel when that's suddenly taken away for a few weeks at the end of the year. And in that, you know, I wonder, yeah, like when you've sort of spoken to this already, but that, you know, that principle of recognising wholeness in your reflections you know, are there practices, are there things you've sort of been trying to do 
I guess, to to really bring that principle into your life or into your relationships? I think at the moment I'm still at the point of trying to accept it um, and trying to practice, I suppose, like radical self-acceptance or something and not place to like place too many um, unfair expectations on myself or compare myself to other people or um, any of these kinds of things that I think living in this very capitalistic world we're encouraged to do. And that's kind of the first step for me and I haven't really moved beyond that because I think that that in and of itself is a really difficult thing to do just kind of coming to terms with with the fact that you are that you have inherent worth and that you are a whole person and you're you're not missing anything and um like especially as a disabled person this there's always this idea pushed upon you that something is wrong something is something is missing um something needs to change and pushing back against that and recognizing yourself as a whole being um is really challenging work and and not something that i think there's much like structure necessarily around like there aren't exercises or anything that i'm um gravitating towards i'm just kind of trying to unpack as much as I can when those thoughts come up and see see where I go from there. You know that this show we talk a lot about transformative justice and healing um, and accountability and support also around prisons. And we're really interested in ways that disability justice is also transformative justice and your thoughts on that. I think there are a, f- a, few, a few different ways. It's something that I have been thinking a little bit more about over the past six months. I think there was another conversation that I was in where the idea was raised and there was that thing when you start talking and then as you're talking an idea starts formulating and then it just becomes this real like galaxy brain moment. And um, since then I've been reflecting a lot on the parallels with disability justice and transformative justice because I care a lot about both. And for a while transformative justice was something that I was quite focused on and I think recently it's been more disability justice and um, it's been interesting recognising that that there are so many similarities between the two of them actually. And I think one of the main ones is that transformative justice and disability justice, I think, are both responding to inadequacies in the systems and structures that govern us and that both are seeking to create alternatives that are community-led and driven by self-determination that are autonomous and where the people directly impacted are the ones guiding the direction that we move in. And I think both transformative justice and disability justice have been around for a lot longer than we've had these specific terms to describe them. 
in local communities all over the place where relying on state-based systems isn't an option. And so networks of care and interdependence um, end up being built and strengthened to keep people safe. And I also think that a key element of transformative justice is this idea that people are complex and multidimensional and that where we restrict someone's humanity by labelling them as inherently good or bad. That is what various systems want us to do. That's what the prison industrial complex wants us to do. They want us to believe that people who um, cause harm are inherently bad people and that's why they deserve to be treated the way that they are. And I think transformative justice and disability justice share this idea that no body and no mind are disposable and that both the prison industrial complex and the medical industrial complex try to reduce us to what we do or don't do and try to unjustly categorise us to justify the way that they treat us rather than seeing us as whole people deserving of love and respect and patience and care. And this next song is Do the Labour by Race Rage and Jamaica Moana. Your boy Race Rage, Jamaica Moana. Shout. 
no agenda here subconscious Respecting our autonomy, our sovereignty and compass Now I know there are people that need to educate themselves just a little bit Actually, a lot Race rage, let's do this yeah, yeah, yeah. Standing proud and yes, it's hard to miss Always bowing to indigenous For you, empathy is intricate Understanding is so intimate Couldn't see, but now you're fixing it Performativity, your time to quit The feeling's real, it makes it adequate If it's genuine, immaculate I've been over here and I've been doing all of that All these people say they're for it, but I tell them go relax It's happy at the front, but I be pushing to the back They be always taking from us like I'm dealing with my tax How you over here and say you on the same page? Never are committed, never stay engaged Always do the most, keeping us in rage Why ain't working with me? On Project Race Rage. We don't want no lukewarm allies. We want Anna Comstress. Come as come to do the work that we want to accomplish. Liberation bound up, no agenda. Here's subconscious. Respecting our autonomy, our sovereignty, and compass. To the what? To the work. To the labor. Labor. To the job. To the old job. To the work. To the labor. Labor. To the education. To the work. To the labor. Labor. To the work. To the labor. To the work. To the labor. To the work. To the work, to the work, to the labor, to the work, to the work, to the labor, to the work, what to the labor, to the labor, to the work, what to the work, what to the labor, to the labor, to the work, what to the work, what to the labor, to the labor, to the work, what to the work, what to the labor. And you are listening to Radio ANA and we have been speaking with Julia from the Disability Justice Network and we'll return to that interview now. As you're saying, like we do live in this world that doesn't value most often disability justice. You know, what are the kinds of things that you see as getting in the way of disability justice being at the core of our practices? I think on a larger scale, we live in this world and we internalise these very capitalistic ideas of what makes a person useful from such a young age and we carry these ideas with us through our adolescence and adulthood and the majority of our lives. These ideas that you need to be independent and productive and strive toward success and success is measured in this very specific way and a lot of these measures of achievement and worth are inaccessible to disabled people for one reason or another and capitalism relies on the myth of independence and denigrates attempts to build interdependent communities and networks of care and quite frankly just like shits on examples of disability justice in action shits on examples of care work that are happening all around the world on examples of nurturing and like protecting one another and yeah, so I think there's that. I think, like, on a large scale, we're, we're really fighting up against this very, very deeply ingrained way of relating to one another that we're encouraged to do, which is to 
care about yourself and I guess like your immediate family maybe, but not really much beyond that and to not necessarily have much in the way of community. But um, on a smaller scale, I suppose, thinking about like queer communities and why I think disability justice is met with hesitation, I suppose. My takeaway is I think people find it quite hard to reconcile just how close everybody is to disability and this idea that you're able-bodied until you're not and that you can become disabled literally at any time and that most people, provided they live long enough, will become disabled at some point in their lives. So when we talk about disability justice, um, I think for a lot of people it feels like this very political idea that is quite removed from the lived reality of a lot of people who haven't necessarily ever experienced disability, who I think are scared to confront the reality that they likely will be disabled at some point. And, like, even when we talk about the 10 principles of disability justice, a lot of them sound somewhat academic in nature, a lot of the terms, like even the term intersectionality, which I feel like is quite commonly used amongst progressive circles, you could very easily say it to somebody who doesn't frequent these kinds of spaces and they wouldn't know what it meant by that word alone. But then you break it down and they're like, oh, that makes sense. And I think a lot of the principles of disability justice are like that, where we've condensed these huge ideas into words that are easy to put on like an A4 piece of paper so that we can kind of spread it around. And when you're looking at them, I think it I think it can feel a bit alienating for some people to have this like political jargon, I suppose. And what we need is for able-bodied or not yet disabled people to um to to be willing to break down what these things actually mean I think we need to kind of meet each other halfway a little bit you know like I think I do think we need to kind of approach able-bodied people in our communities and not like not be like we need collective access and collective liberation and wholeness and intersectionality and they're going I don't know what any of this means but actually breaking down that what we want by disability justice is a world where nobody gets left behind, where everybody is deserving of love, deserving of care, where everybody is respected, seen as whole people. And I think when when we strip away a lot of the language that alienates some people, I think, it becomes much easier to understand. And I think in my experience talking to other able-bodied people, it's when I've done that, when I've really broken things down that they've been like, oh, that, I mean, of, of course. Like it, it just becomes a no-brainer suddenly. They're like, well, yeah, disability justice, that, that seems obvious that we would want to be working towards that. And I don't think the onus is necessarily on disabled people to be 
like hand-holding able-bodied people through these things, but I, I can appreciate that like these kinds of frameworks can be pretty overwhelming if you're not familiar with the language and you don't know who to ask and there's a lot of opportunity for relationship building in that way between disabled and non-disabled people and also like cross-disability organising as well. And we'll go to a song now. So this is Mama Alto with Wild is the Wind. i 
You are listening to Radio ANA and we have been speaking with Julia from the Disability Justice Network and we'll return to that interview now. Arnie and I often talk about like these dominant structures that we're recruited into and so uh, I think that we're recruited into ableism and there's a whole lot of kind of unconscious and and conscious acts that contribute to ableism. Um, and you talked there about some of the um, consciousness raising that you've been doing around talking about language and exploring kind of what these different principles are and, and that that shouldn't be reliant on disabled people to solely do that work. But are you able to speak more there around, yeah, what what does it look like to centre disability justice in transformative justice or in our lives, in our friendship groups, in our families, in our communities? I find it challenging sometimes to think about what disability justice can look like in action or what what it can look like to centre disability justice outside of the context of disabled people organising together and coming together and when we're starting to bring um, able-bodied people and, like, cross-movement solidarity into it. And I think partly that's because I'm used to, I'm used to movement building being this, this quite, like, physical and goal-oriented practice and so in my mind, I'm like, well, what are the what are the goals of disability justice? Like, what are we aiming towards, and how do we get there? And um, and I start defaulting back to like direct action and marches and all of the ways in which I participated in activism when I was a bit less sick. 
I think reading over the 10 principles of disability justice and interrogating them and kind of reflecting on what they mean for you and in practice in your life is a really is a really nice starting place and a starting place that I think generates questions and reflections and hopefully conversations that you can have with other disabled or non-disabled people in your lives about, yeah, what does it mean to practice collective access in our, in our friendship or in our friendship group or what does recognising wholeness look like um, with one another and how are we doing it and what are some ways that we could do it more. And for me, I think that's kind of the starting point and I think actually like in, in my mind and when I say it out loud I'm like that that feels too simple but it's actually this really huge undertaking and I think if everybody was doing this it would create so much change and so much critical self-reflection and people would be having these huge realizations about their relationship to their bodies and capitalism and um the ways in which they place value on themselves and others and how they feel like they are deserving of love and care or not deserving of love and care based on things that they do or don't do. In the, like, initial write-up of the Disability Justice Primer, um, there's a quote from Patty Byrne where they're talking about disability justice as a point of departure rather than a destination, and I think that's really beautiful way of thinking about it and I suppose similar to Mariam Carver and the million experiments and this idea that like we don't we don't necessarily have the answers we don't we don't know what this is going to look like but we have guiding principles and we have guiding ethics and I think sticking to those and interrogating those and reflecting on how they're already happening in our lives and how we can continue to enhance them in our lives is a really good place to start. And then we can kind of reflect and change things as needed from there. For a lot of us, we've come to this space wanting to do a lot of work, focusing inwards and, like, building community and... um, building each other up and, um, yeah, practising love and care toward one another. And then there are other people in the network whose focus is very much on external work and how we can um, practise disability justice in the world and, yeah, these, like, structural changes that need to happen so that disabled people can be so that we can thrive and um that side of things is is definitely not my focus it's not something that I feel like I have much knowledge on as yet um it's definitely kind of a big question mark for me still and there are there are definitely people um both in the disability justice network and outside who are reimagining um those more structural changes l gibbs is i think a really 
incredible activist who was part of the Disability Justice Network who um, does quite a bit of outward-facing um, organising work related to the NDIS. Um, that's one example off the top of my head of somebody in, a, in an Australian context who's doing that kind of work. But for me, I have no idea. I, I'm kind of taking notes from other people and hopefully at some point I'll, I'll get to a point where, I mean, maybe I won't. Maybe what I want to be doing is very much the inward-focused stuff. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I have so much respect for people who are doing the, the other side of things, but I just, it's not my strength at the moment.
we just listened to Man on the Moon by Kian. I wonder if you can tell us a bit about the Disability Justice Network and um, what that is. So the Disability Justice Network came about from conversations that a few a few different uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous disabled people across the continent of so-called Australia were having about the fact that we were relying on so much information um, coming from Turtle Island that very much was in the context of that culture and that society and we wanted to bring that framework here and kind of reimagine it in a way that that also honours the relationship between disability and colonialism in Australia and the ways in which settler colonialism and the dispossession of lands and waters have um, unfairly disabled many First Nations peoples. And so, yeah, a few of us along predominantly the eastern states of Australia came together and started having conversations. We started having meetings. We just kind of started talking and started building relationships with one another. Quite a few of us were still were already kind of incidental friends, but since then uh, stronger friendships have definitely been built and we've been doing quite a bit of organising work together. Um, the, main, the main thing, I, I suppose, would be our mutual aid fund, which the last I checked had raised over $30,000. I feel like it would be more now, but that was one of the first actions that we took and that was initiated by Georgia and Mali, who are two absolutely incredible First Nations disabled organisers and two of the people who co-founded the Disability Justice Network, the, the idea being that people can donate to our mutual aid fund and then we get requests from disabled, mostly disabled, multiply marginalised people. So quite a, few, quite a few other Indigenous disabled people, queer disabled people, disabled people who have varied immigration statuses, people who otherwise might not be able to get help from the government, basically, and who are more likely to fall through the cracks. They can reach out and if we have the funds to support them, and most of the time we have, we will give them money, no questions asked. And recently we've been giving people a set amount so that people can buy the rapid antigen testing packs because they're ridiculously expensive and obviously people need them and so we we're currently back to like nine dollars or something because because I think we've given out like I don't even know like hundreds of dollars worth of antigen pack rapid antigen pack money to people but yeah that's that's been absolutely incredible seeing how that has like seeing how that came to fruition and like the way that the communities like around us have been um, supporting the mutual aid fund ongoing and just like how many people we've been able to offer financial support to, which at the end of the day is like something that is can be incredibly hard to get. Yeah, I think this COVID-19 time has really demonstrated 
the ableism in prevalent in this in this world who's valued and who's not valued and thinking about that yeah for listeners um to the show like how can people support uh the disability justice network and or um, how can disabled people get involved I guess the main way that people can support is by um, donating to the mutual aid fund. Anything helps. The amount that we give out to people are so varied and so, you know, there's there's no need to contribute a substantial amount if that's not feasible. But if you're in a financial position where you can contribute even a little bit, um, it, it just it goes an incredibly long way. Um, and for other disabled people wanting to get involved with the Disability Justice Network, I would say we've got an email address that I don't remember. <laughs> um, and so maybe the best way would be either via our Instagram or our Twitter. I think both of them are DisabilityJN. I'm like, I'm pretty certain that is disability JN, and there's usually at least one person who will check the inbox pretty regularly. Um, And that way we can add you to the Facebook group and there's no, like, set kind of commitment that we expect from anybody, but that's where you'll um, get updates about when we're having organising meetings and there are a lot of different working groups for different things. Yeah, or even if you have any questions about anything that hasn't already been covered that's probably the best way to get in touch with somebody. I feel like you've shared so much um, with us. You know, are there further thoughts that you had or further things that you'd want to share to listeners? I guess the only thing that I can think about, and that's something that uh, has come up for me during this conversation, is just that, like, Thinking about these things and questioning them can feel really messy and that that's okay. Um, And you might have questions that don't necessarily have answers, like the answers are still emerging and that's also okay. And I, I think there's something really beautiful about having this set of principles or this framework or this movement or soon to be movement uh, where there is so much that we don't know and where we really are reimagining the world in so many ways when we think about practising disability justice in action because we're, we're reimagining ways that we've been taught to think about ourselves and about other people our whole lives and that just takes so much energy and so much strength and so much faith in yourself and in other people and yeah I guess just not not downplaying or diminishing how um how incredible that work can be and can feel thank you so much Julia for coming on the show being so generous with your thoughts and reflections and yeah I've really appreciated hearing all the things that you've you've shared and you know also hopefully for listeners will kind of um, have some links to some of the things that you spoke about so that you know people can follow through to the um, mutual aid fund and also 
yeah, towards contacting the Disability Justice Network to get involved. But thank you so much. Thank you so much, Julia. It's been so wonderful talking with you. Thank you both so much for inviting me onto the show. It's been really lovely. We will end the show with Matt by Solange.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.